0: 702 on a, a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, SportsNet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer, Sene. We are also brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's Premier Metal Recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Uh, we are giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks play hockey, but the game is not tonight. We are now giving away tickets to Thursday's game against the Ducks. 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. Text your what we learned into 650-650. That's the Dunbar Lumber text line. It is the Smalt alternative. It's a what we learned, and you need to add the ticket emoji. You could win a pair of tickets to go see the Ducks and the Canucks play on Thursday if yours is
1: adjudged to be the best. What we learned. And that's guaranteed win night uh, Thursday at Rogers Arena. If the Canucks do not beat the Anaheim Ducks, Halford will do 500 push-ups. Guaranteed win night. Right. I
0: wish I hadn't signed up for that without knowing what guaranteed win night involved. Push-ups to be completed over the year. I may need those push-ups because today is, of course, the first day after Halloween, and that means eating all the leftover Halloween candy and, of course, stealing the good stuff. From my child, Um, we had a couple texts in about this. A lot of people saying that this is maybe the best day of the year for adults. Because true, yeah. So uh, now we'll start with Greg because you got to take the we one out for. I mean, I don't. She probably can't eat any of the candy, right? It's bad for babies. Yeah, as, far as I understand, it's basically all ours. So babies are like <laughs> dogs. You can't yeah, give them chocolate. That's true. <laughs> babies and dogs. They, they, they like, like shiny. shiny children. They like shiny objects. Two types of animals that can't eat chocolate: babies and dogs. Uh, a dog. How was your Halloween? Oh, it was great. Now that your Christmas is over, do you have a sense of longing? Do you have like the Christmas post-Christmas blues? Oh, not for Halloween. Not at all. Because as soon as Halloween ends. It's already time to start planning for Christmas. Oh, right. Yeah, It's not surprising that you also love Christmas. Aren't of you a course. big American
2: Thanksgiving guy, though? Come on. Well, you got to mix that I in there. I am a
0: Yank. I'm a dual citizen, so I, I've, <laughs> I've
1: grown up with two, two Thanksgivings a year. So, uh, yeah, we always celebrate American Thanksgiving as well. Okay. Tonight's game for the Vancouver Canucks against the New Jersey Devils. Canucks are looking to make it three in a row, which would bring their win total on the season to three. That was his uh, abacus he was working on there. Uh so I'm going to throw out two statistics for you and and you decide which goalie you would prefer. One of them has a save percentage of 8.74. That seems bad. The other one has a save percentage of 9.26. That seems good. Which goalie would you choose to play tonight's game? Jason, I would choose the goalie with the higher
0: save percentage.
1: But what if his name was Spencer Martin and the other one was Thatcher Demko? What, what? would you do then?
0: I, I love this game. I love this game. Um, so, it is our it is a time-honored tradition in Vancouver to have a goalie controversy brewing somewhere. Like, hey, it's good for the team. You know that pot of coffee that just sits in the office and it's there? And if you ever need to go to it, if you ever need coffee, you got it. That's okay. what the
1: goalie controversy is in Vancouver. All I'm I'm going to point out is that the Edmonton Oilers over the weekend... Started Skinner yep. over Jack Campbell in the Battle of Alberta. Pretty big game in that province. Uh, I realize that Jack Campbell is new to the Leafs, so he doesn't have the same cachet as Thatcher Demko would with the Vancouver Canucks. But I do want to uh, bring Laddie into the conversation here because he is our goaltending expert. Um what would you do in this situation? Would you go back to Thatcher Demko or would you be tempted or maybe even convinced to ride the hot hand, if you can call Spencer Martin a hot hand, yeah, and give and give him the start tonight?
2: Well, I would counter your, your safe percentage argument, be it the small sample size that it is, uh, with a who's more important to your team's success this year. Spencer Martin being good this year or Thatcher Demko being good this year? I will have you know that
0: Spencer <laughs> Martin has played eight career games for the Vancouver Canucks, and they have gotten a point in, in mm-hmm. every single game.
2: He's well, never lost outright. I game. believe I'm on the side of Thatcher Demko needs to get his game in order. Right. And you need to play in order to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think this early in the season, yes. You, the Let's, points aren't really on the line at this point of the year. I know it's you want to dig out of this hole, but you got to get Demko. on. Unt- if you're going to make up this ground, you need your best goalie I, to be – I, on track.
1: I'd be surprised if it's not Demko tonight, yeah. but I think if Demko has another poor performance tonight, uh, if he doesn't play well tonight, then you go to Spencer Martin Thursday against Anaheim, especially if the Canucks don't win. How many good games has Demko actually had this season? Mm.
0: Good, not Carolina. Carolina. A couple of them. A couple yeah. good, not great. Yeah, a couple good, not but great. no
1: greats. I don't no. think. Not yet.
0: This is very technical terminology we're using. I'm no NHL coach, but based on Martin's record, having never lost, would you not want to play him forever? Because that means the Canucks will win forever. That's That's the kind of logic that we need more of in this market. How do they not see
2: this? How are you not hired by an NHL team? It's right right there. It's (laughs) analytics. Come on,
0: guys. Ian Clark, you've been replaced by a dog. That's what he goes by. Um, You, Martin, make a save. All right, Skip. I told him to do that. He's made so many of them. It's amazing. No. Okay. Just in all seriousness, I don't think it's insane that we're having the conversation. Because, I think it is no because Boudreaux. You said don't think the, other- the Canucks
1: are in a bit of a desperate situation right now?
2: Not at the point where you're going to start Martin over Demko. No, I'm not. I'm not at that point yet. <laughs> the the <laughs> must, like, the must win. Where we're returning it over
0: to our little used backup. No, the conversation. Guys, we've already
1: played like six must win
0: games. I'm thinking and the ceiling have lost here. Four I'm thinking
2: ceiling, and Demko has a much higher ceiling. You guys are
0: thinking too minute in scope. You need to think big no, picture. There's- he's
2: thinking. Laddie's thinking big picture.
0: Big picture is they've got three games. This week, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, so a fairly standard rotation. Boudreaux already said we're not just going to wait for back-to-backs to to play Martin. Mm -hmm. So it's out there that he might get Thursday against Anaheim. Maybe he doesn't get Saturday against Nashville. But I would say over these next three games at home, he's playing one of them. I don't think it's a straight flush for Demko. So if that's the case, maybe you give him tonight against uh new jersey and then demko goes thursday saturday that's not inconceivable or out of the realm of logic if your head coach has already said we're not just going to use spencer martin as the guy on the second of a back-to-back right and that's all we're trying to say here now andy's theory is the one i really like which is you should play martin every
2: game until he loses until, Just keep playing until the wheels come because maybe right? he'll never lose and we again. can also we can argue with us all we want and and there's logical reasons for why either goalie should start but a lot of the time, you guys, what it comes down to is what Ian Clark thinks it's and true. what the goalies think right? and how okay. they're feeling at the time. So yeah. a lot of these decisions, we don't have all the info into why or how they're going to make all these decisions.
0: No, and and that's fair. And Look, I, 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 again, if you had to bet right now. Demko. Yeah, I think it's going to be Demko tonight. And it, it, it might go Demko-Martin-Demko. Well, it all
1: depends, I think, how he plays tonight. Right. To, because to Laddie's point, if Demko plays well tonight, I – put him right back in there for Thursday. And if he plays well, then I, you know, I d- just keep playing him mm-hmm. until until there's a back to back. The point that Laddie makes is definitely a good one. They have to get Demko going. So they Absolutely, um, unless you're, you're willing to say that, oh, maybe Spencer Martin's a starter, which nobody is, right? So uh, On the subject of goaltending, one thing... Not that this you, week. Next week, next we'll
0: week. actually do the real <laughs>
1: goaltending controversy.
0: Um, when, when you talk about the goaltending specifically tonight, I think it is worth mentioning, because we're going to talk to Matt Laughlin in a second here, or sorry, at 7.30, about the Devils, but one thing to note about this team is the style that they play. They fire a ton of pucks towards the opposition's net, I don't right. know if it's a actual um, structural or strategical thing where they're designed to be a high-volume shot team, but it's like 40-plus shots. Well, in, in order five, to do that,
1: you need to have the puck a lot.
0: Exactly, right? So I think you're going to see a certain style and a certain approach from the Devils, which is predicated on being a high-skill team with a lot of good-quality offensive forwards. Yeah. Uh, Dougie Hamilton from the back end is probably a guy that has a very high shot total among defensemen. And that could be interesting because I will say Demko has always been a guy, and this is my very novice analysis, so feel free to jump in, but the guys that do better with a higher shot volume, see more pucks. I know Woodley talks about this a long time, or for a long time that one of the knocks, if you can call that on Carolina, I think it was under the Bill Peters teams as well, is that territorially and shot metric wise, they would put a ton of pressure on teams And then there would be the one shot against, and the goalie would either be cold or not having faced a bunch.
2: Or it's a grade A five-star opportunity. It was
1: always an odd man rush the other way because the Hurricanes were so aggressive with their pinching with the Mm D-men that you know, the odd time that the pinch doesn't work, then it's a two-on-one.
0: Is the, the
2: worst possible environment you can think of for a goaltender. Right. In terms of statistics.
0: Right. And this with the Devils seems to be almost the polar opposite, is that there's going to be a lot of pucks on net. So maybe, again, if you're trying to look or infer what might happen tonight, maybe this will be a good sign for Demko. Maybe this could be one of those games where he really gets it back on track with a high workload and shot total.
1: Well, I'll be curious to see how the Canucks defense looks against this Devils team that has a lot of speed and a lot of energy because they're one of the youngest teams in the NHL. Uh, We just talked to Wish, and he said, you know, they're really good through the neutral zone. They come at you with speed. They've also got a great forecheck. So that's a challenge for a Canucks blue line that has been under the gun. We are going to see Ethan Bear tonight, probably on the third pair with Riley Stillman. Quinn Hughes is going to return, and that's going to be really nice for the Canucks to have because he's clearly still... Their best puck mover Oel, who has not looked good this season. He's played some big minutes in the last couple of games, but he has looked hurt, tired, out of shape, four hundred years old. I don't know what it is, but he doesn't look very good. Just playing him too much. The playing good news much. is the yeah. good news is is that Quinn Hughes is back, so he won't need to play massive minutes. Uh, Oel will be on his traditional pairing with. Tyler Myers, the Canucks again, like they're going to have two newish defensemen in the lineup tonight, and they're going to be paired together, Riley Stillman and Ethan Bear, and we'll see how that pair does. This is going to be a challenge against the New Jersey Devils. So, um, just to change directions here, um, let's go around the NHL. We've talked about the Toronto Maple Leafs. We talked about them with Wish. There's another team that's struggling, uh, struggling a little bit. Uh, it's maybe gone under the radar because they don't get a ton of attention in Canada. And their struggles haven't been so bad, maybe until yesterday, that people have kind of taken notice. And that's the St. Louis Blues. Now, I don't know if they're planning to win another Stanley Cup by going worst to first. But uh, the worst part is almost there. They're 3-5-0. And they've got the same amount of points as the Vancouver Canucks. Granted, they played one fewer game. But they got beaten badly by the LA Kings last night, 5-1. And Craig Berube, who is one of the more... I think his players do like him, but I think he's a pretty tough coach to play for. Mm -hmm. And we all know that if the St. Louis Blues are going to be successful, they have to play a hard style. According to Craig Berube, they are not willing to play that style right now. Crew can play a lot of the We're not direct. And if you're not direct and you're not predictable and you're not hungry and you're not desperate out there, you're not, if you don't want to dig in and play hard, you're going to get beat. I don't care what team you're playing. You'll get beat. And that's got to change.
0: Okay, so just to um, further contextualize this, the Blues aren't slumping a little bit. The Blues are in free fall. So that 3-5-0 and record, they started the season 3-0-0, and then everything has fallen off a cliff in the last five games. They've been outscored 25-8 to over the five games. That's an average score of 4-5-1 a night, so it's not even close and it's funny because that refrain that you heard from Craig Barube is also what the players are saying, they had Justin Falk after the game just repeatedly saying, we're not playing with enough effort, we're not playing hard enough. I do wonder as we look around at other teams that are going in the toilet while the Canucks are on the rise if uh, <laughs> if if Barube's style because they've said it with coaches that are hardline yeah. and have that very high and you know what the high demand is it's not. We gotta go out and win. It's it's the physically demanding style where you gotta play heavy, you gotta play hard. He's begging certain coaches like that, like Daryl Sutter, the style you gotta check. Check, 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 check. And that can eventually just become too much for the group. Coach,
1: this is too hard.
0: Yeah, really. If I mean if you've been doing it for years and you're old and you're tired, you don't wanna go out and grind every single night. You'd like to have a night off or you don't have to be direct. By the way, the best part of that clip was when he said that he was he was preaching that they were more
1: predictable. That's a great part of that clip because that kind of underscores. But, but that's kind of enforcing your will on the other team. Like exactly, we're going to do that's like running the football. The St. Louis Blues need to run the ball more effectively. Uh, Craig Berube also called out the Blues' top players. Our top, our our you know our top guys. You know they got to dig in. They're not digging in enough. They're too soft. We're not direct enough. They're not north enough. They're not going to the net enough. They're not checking hard enough. So uh, Mitch Marner has asked for a meeting with Craig Berube uh, like today. He doesn't like the way that the top players were called out on the Blues. And then Mitch Marner remembered that he doesn't play for the Blues. He plays for the Leafs, and he's yet, got his own problems. Yet he was still upset. He was still
2: upset about it. Uh, he's a brain his, shambles warrior. Can I make a point about that <laughs> His Marner dad thing? is
1: going to be calling
2: uh, Doug Armstrong, the can general I, manager that for that the Blues. That whole thing where he, yes. he, 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 wa- he stormed off the bench – and then he goes to the equipment guy. You're talking about Marner, Marner, now, by the way. Okay. And says, "I I don't want the oh, I don't want that stick. I am going to break that one." If you're angry and you're going to smash a stick, you smash the one that's in your hands. True. Why are you going to the equipment guy and picking out a stick? It just it's just pure theater and it's Do you have a breakable one? <laughs> oh my goodness. That just Oh, he wasn't actually angry. He was just he wanted to show people that yeah. he's angry. Yeah, um, it was performative.
1: Um, I think the the fan base is really starting to turn on Mitch Marner, big time. And there was a couple of years ago where he was, you know, everyone loved Mitch Marner, uh, and the way he played um, was admirable. He was a very talented player, but he was also defensively responsible. I remember, I think I might have, when I was still voting, allowed to vote, I might have given him a fifth fifth place Selkie vote, and he deserved it. Like he got multiple Selkie votes. And which is pretty rare for a winger, but he's just gone from like, he seems he's, he's got that attitude and the fan base, uh, any fan base will really get bothered by this. When a player has an attitude of everyone's out to get me. And he seems to have taken that right now. Like the media's out to get him. Uh, the coach is out to get him. So he's got to go do this performative uh, theater and, and, and go break his stick to show how upset he is that the coach benched him for turning the puck over a couple times. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, just take it. You know, like you don't have, it just, you know, it just goes to show you how sensitive uh, he is to the criticism in Toronto. And hey, I get it because this Leafs team the thing the, – people say, well, they did this last year and, you know, they always they always come through in the end and they always make the playoffs. And the, the Leafs probably will make the playoffs. But the thing that adds up is all the criticism. Sure. And it's almost like a relationship where you have these um, – like, you know, it, the relationship goes on and on. And I'm talking about the relationship between the players and the coach and the, and the players and, and the fans and the players and, and, the, and the media – and the more you, you know, this adds up and you just, it just becomes toxic. It becomes like a poisonous relationship. Sure. And then you've got reports coming out from Elliott Freeman that Marner expects changes to happen. Like this Leafs team, just because they bounced back from a bad start last season, doesn't mean that's going to happen this season because. There's been more history. There's been more history piled on top of this relationship.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, he said it in the clip. When Freed said that it feels like they're running out or they've run out of runway, that's kind of exactly where they're at right now. None of these guys that they are basing this core around are young anymore. Mitch Marner's not young by current NHL standards. Neither is Austin Matthews. John Tavares is straight up old. They've all been there for the better part of five, six, seven years. Mm-hmm. This is a team, and it's funny, one of the criticisms I've seen of this Leafs team, especially when they played Nanheim the other night, a lot of people pointed out, they don't even look fast. They don't look like a fast, young team anymore. And I was putting my hand up on the couch while I'm watching television, yelling at the screen. I was like, because they're not young anymore. Well, Matthews and Marner are still 25, so they're not old.
3: I'm uh, not saying they're
0: old, but they're not the young, fresh kids on the scene anymore. They're not playing with a sense of, hey, we're just happy to be. Remember that the first two years? Yeah. That team made the playoffs. It was great, right? The future in front of them was rosy. Mm-hmm. They were in the playoffs and they were going to make further strides as their careers went along. Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews are no further along from their very first playoff appearance to now. Yeah, They haven't made any strides. So I can understand why the relationship feels soured And toxic. Because you can only keep doing the same thing over and over and over again before you
1: look at the other person. You're like, are we still going to do this? And how many times have they had to read something or hear something, uh, whether it's media or fans calling them soft Mm -hmm. or mentally weak? And then to top it all off, it's exactly what their coach is inferring Mm -hmm. at the start of the season. So they're probably sitting there going like, you're the guy that's supposed to stick up for us. And you're not doing that now. Now you're turning on us. Yep. So you can see, also you can see why Sheldon Keefe probably was like, all right, I'll walk back those comments. Like I'll go out there and I'll stick up for you and I'll say that this is more about managing the media than it was for you guys. If you look back on the comments that Sheldon Keefe made after the Leafs lost to the Arizona Coyotes, there was nothing gray About what he said. He said his elite players didn't play like elite players. And that's why they lost to Arizona. I don't know how he can be like, well, you know, like people read that the wrong way. It's like, what are you talking about? Like you said, your elite players didn't play like elite players. Like there's no gray there.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, So two things on that. One. All signs here pointing to trots, right? Are we just going to, we may say the quiet part out loud.
2: Well, even the original six comments from trots. I yeah, mean, like, this is
0: obviously on. shaping up for Barry Trots to come in and play a super clamp down style and then just hope that the individual brilliance of Marners and uh, the Marners and the Matthews and everybody else can get them the goals when they need them in the Kinda playoffs. Kind of
2: work for him on the Islanders.
0: Two, when we're talking about uh, coaches calling out their best players and we played the Barube audio, put this in your back pocket for later. There's another, uh, predictory thing here. He's talking about Ryan O'Reilly. I don't know if you've looked at the numbers on O'Reilly this year, but they are ghastly. He is minus 11. And I know plus minus is the stat that's flawed. Whatever. He's eight games, minus 11, one goal, zero assists. He has one point in eight games. And we are talking about a guy that has been a star for them now. Well, I think he's also talking about Jordan Cairo, who, mm-hmm. believe it or not, is minus 13. Now, the big difference between Cairou and O'Reilly is that Cairo is locked up for a long time in St. Louis. Ryan O'Reilly <laughs> is in the last year of a seven-year, $52 million deal. I'm telling you right now, if this keeps trending the way that it does, Ryan O'Reilly is going to be a trade deadline rental
2: at this point. Swap for Horvat, Captain swap. Uh, I don't. I don't think that would make sense. I, I know,
0: I, while I appreciate your zest for life, <laughs> I just um, want a captain swap. Well, no, I'm telling. I look, I look at this situation, and Doug Armstrong has gone the other way before, where he's held on to the veteran guys and let them walk in free agency. Yeah. David Back is being Backus. The most notable.
1: Well, Petrangelo got away, right? I don't think they want to do that again. Oh, I think. I think he would. I think he would. <sighs> Man, Doug Armstrong. His philosophy is: you just there's a there's a line you have to get to. When you've got these players that are, I mean, O'Reilly. Now, has not...
0: Riley, O'Reilly done anything of significance in St. Louis? Well, Petrangelo had, too. Oh, I was, I'm joking. O'Reilly won a Stanley Cup. Well, that's so the did great Petrangelo. Yeah, but that's the great divider between the two of them now is you let Petrangelo walk. And in hindsight, they've been a different team since he left. I'll say that. They've been a, they've been a fundamentally different team since he left. Not just because he's a great defenseman, but he was the guy after yeah. Bacchus
1: left. I don't know if you can do it again. I, I just wouldn't I wouldn't lock up Ryan O'Reilly to a big <laughs> long term contract extension. Them, right. You know, they've already got some older guys on the back end, Justin Falk, Tory Crew, Colton is nearly thirty, believe it or not. They got these guys locked up. They I don't know. I don't know. Maybe St. Louis is gonna have to do a bit of a retool. Uh, even though they've got some good young players like Jordan Kairou, who's locked up and Robert Thomas, who's locked up as well. They might just be running out of cap space there frankly, to keep locking these guys up.
0: Uh, lots more to get to on the Health and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We're going to get back into the Canucks talk, but we're going to take a preview of tonight's opponent, New Jersey Devils play-by-play man. Matt Laughlin is going to join us next. We'll look ahead to tonight's game, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. It is the Canucks. It is the Devils. You are listening to your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City New. Assist today, beating Merzlik, it's glove side. Seven thirty-two on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Brof, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and of of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are also brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. North Star. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Matt Laughlin, the play-by-play voice. You just heard his voice of the New Jersey Devils. Is No, we didn't. Sorry. We heard a call. Thank you. Uh, play-by-play voice of the New Jersey Devils is going to join us in a moment here. We should also mention that uh, in a great bit of timing... On the heels of talking about all the bad times in St. Louis with Craig Berube calling out the players, Ryan O'Reilly not looking well. Jason, you passed along that Doug Armstrong's going to meet with the media today.
1: Yeah. Not that this is a St. Louis Blues uh, program or anything, but Doug Armstrong, I'm sure, will have some uh, words to say about the Blues poor start. Uh, joining us
0: on the line now, as mentioned, play by play voice of the New Jersey Devils. They are in town tonight, 7 o'clock Rogers Arena. To take on the Canucks, it is Matt Laughlin here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Matt. How are you?
3: Gents, good morning. How are you? Everything is good in devil's land as we get ready for the start of this three-game trip.
0: Yeah, no kidding. The the Devils have won six of their last seven. Uh, whatever that start was and however ugly it got, I know there were some chants, the Fire Lindy chants, but uh, Jason made the joke earlier. A lot of those fans are probably saying, "Ah, you know what, uh, I, t- I take it back. The team seems fine. What's going on over this, this, this streak where they've won six of their last seven?
3: Well, one of the things that, that happened is they're getting results. Duh, that's obvious. But the first two games, you know, those underlying analytic numbers were pretty good. They, were, they had high danger chances. They had low danger chances against. But they gave up some unkindly goals, which is why the booing took place, because it looked an awful lot like last year. But now they're converting those chances. They're suppressing shots. They're playing with a great deal of speed. And what the fans are seeing and what people around the NHL are seeing is the maturation, the, the physical and mental maturity of players coming into their prime, like a Jesper Bratt, like a Nico Heischer. Jack Hughes is not off to the best start, but you know he's in that conversation, of course. And so they see that, and the promise of the last few years, which has fell short, is starting to be realized so that's why there's excitement
1: uh on sunday the devils beat columbus seven to one but i'm wondering if the game before when they hosted the defending stanley cup champs from colorado and shut them out one nothing was perhaps a more significant victory despite it only being a one goal win who they beat the way they won how did that one go down
3: so with, without a doubt, uh, you know, you would ask any coach, but you could ask Lindy Ruff in particular. In fact, I did. He would much rather have a one nothing tight victory against the defending Stanley Cup champs, playing the way they did with poise and determination down the stretch, than an easy 7-1 victory, which every once in a while is good to have just to ease the pressure. But there's no question, even though Colorado is shorthanded, There are several key players from last year's team who are no longer with them. There are several key players from this year's team who are not with them because of injury, but it was an impressive win. They were down a man in the final minute. Thomas Tatar took a penalty with a minute to go. Goalie is pulled. It's six on four against the defending champs. I can't guarantee that last year, the year before the devils would have found a way to cough up a goal and maybe lost it in overtime or in a shootout and only come away with one point. But, I think a lot of people think that that's what would have occurred in all likelihood. Uh, they did not have that maturity to hold it, but they were stout. Uh, Colorado had a spree at the end where Banicek had to play exceedingly well in the last few seconds to preserve it. But overall, it was a good sign that the Devils can play a low-event game. As much as they're go-go-go, it was a very low-event game, but they went toe-to-toe with the defending champs.
1: Could you recap some of the changes that the Devils made to this roster in the off season and how those changes are playing out?
3: Sure. Now, one of them won't play tonight. That's Andre Palat. But what he, Brendan Smith, uh, and Eric Haller have brought this team is a veteran presence. And, you know, I'm not talking about 1980s snarl anymore, right? We know that ship has sailed. But they're hard along the boards. They're hard in front of the net. Brendan Smith will rub his glove in your face a little bit. He'll get into the odd fight here and there. And that's an element that had been missing from this team. That board battle, that corner play, where at times they were too easy. They've dragged this team into a better play in those areas. The big acquisition, though, in my estimation, was John Marino, who quietly came over for Ty Smith and a draft choice from Pittsburgh, and I don't think anybody knew exactly what John Marino could bring. You look at his offensive numbers, and they're fair at, at best. But his first pass is great. His IQ is fabulous. Uh, he has paired with Ryan Graves tremendously. He gets back on defense. That's the one element. For all the shots on goal, for all the talk about the speed, where where it's evident is on the back check. This team gets back. And so that's why they've been able to suppress shots and caused the opposition a lot of headaches so uh, John Marino's been a big addition he would get lost in some of those veteran names but he's been awesome
0: and we're speaking to Matt Laughlin play-by-play voice of the New Jersey Devils here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650 the Devils of course are in Vancouver to take on the Canucks tonight seven o'clock from Rogers Arena when the Devils take to the ice tonight Matt is it safe to say that it'll be Vitek Vanacek in net
3: I would say yes. I mean, he's only given up one goal in his last two games and he's won the last three. But Mackenzie Blackwood is four in a lifetime against Vancouver, two shutouts in those four wins. And you know how the percentages are played by coaches at times. Um, I think, and, you know, I heard Greg Wyszynski earlier on your show, and he's right. Uh, some of VTech's play was because of a little, you know, minor. Issue That caused McKenzie to miss a a, a practice, you know, an upper body tightness or whatever it was called. So I think it might be time to get him back in. Although, again, Manichek has been terrific in, in this stretch and has given the Devils everything. But, you know, if you want to get McKenzie back in, if you're trying to make it a competition, if you want to try to elevate his game a little bit and get him back in when the team is playing really well. And he's facing an opponent he's done really well against, maybe that's a factor. Uh, Lindy Ruff does not talk about his goaltenders. Right. Uh, he doesn't mention who the, starters, uh, the starter is, but today uh, at practice, at we'll pro- uh, the morning skate, we'll have an idea. You know, the old first guy leaves, right? Like, I love coaches who won't talk about it, but yeah, but that guy left first, and that's the starter, right? Well, I won't talk about it. So, hey, listen, everybody's got their own superstitions. So well, it's
0: get funny it. you bring that up because if you look at the game log for the Devils this year, it's been the goalie of record as long as he's winning gets to go until he loses right so Blackwood had the Mm -hmm. opener he lost Vanacek came in the next game he lost Blackwood got back in won a few games in a row until he lost and then it was Vanacek so for all of the metrics and stats that go into goaltending I think it might just be hey you get to play until you lose and then it's the other guy's
3: turn yeah and that's why I think Vanacek would you know you know if you were a betting man you'd, you'd probably put a a five spot or more on that but again McKenzie's numbers do show that he's done well against Vancouver so that that gives him a fighting chance so to speak
1: were the expectations this season playoffs for the New Jersey Devils I know I think it's been one playoff appearance in the last what almost a decade
3: yeah realistically I would say for most people no uh, because they had it's a 30 37 point gap they had to make up uh, to get to the playoffs that's an awful lot and I think that Devils fans and prognosticators were burned by their lack of success the last couple of years. That goes back to why it was the booing in the home opener. Uh, like, are we going to go through this again? But with the additions that they have, with a much better approach to defense, that has helped the goaltenders immeasurably. And with their speed, and again, you know, these guys are just starting to come into their prime. We've been waiting for the overall number one pick in 2017, Nico Heesha, to do what he's doing. The same with Jack Hughes. Brad's been just phenomenal the last couple of years. So you could see that there were big elements where they might get in. But I think most people were like, look, just have the fans leave the building in April saying, aha, it's here. I can see it. Next year will be the breakthrough year. Next year is when the Devils begin a long run, hopefully uh, to a lot of playoff appearances. But it might happen this year because they they have been phenomenal.
0: Uh, before we let you go, the, the, the construction of the team right now, uh, very high skill level. you got Brat, Heesher, Hughes. We've talked about them already. Um, throughout the lineup, is that sort of the overall sentiment of the team? I know everybody's got different makeups and your bottom six has a lot of different looks and influences and attitudes and what have you. But collectively, is this more of a team predicated on speed and skill as opposed to having some bigger guys that can influence a game physically?
3: Overall, I would say yes, and uh, you know, I think that that would be one area that Tom Fitzgerald, the general manager, would say he would like to see them um, improve, so to speak. In other words, if they they need probably bigger wingers long term to to add that element, but that's why the guys who they brought in this summer have been so important. While they're not big, physically imposing players, and not necessarily wingers. Uh, they have added an element of toughness that had been missing. But, yeah, that would be the one area. I don't know if you would call it an Achilles heel, but that would be one area where against the big teams, you know, the big powerful teams in this league, they, they might come up just a little short. But the skill is there, and so far the will has been as well for those skillful guys, and it's been a good combination.
0: Matt, this was great, man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to do this. We appreciate it. Have a good call tonight, and we'll do this again later in the season when we see the Devils again.
3: You got it. Thanks very much. Have a great day, everyone. You too, Thanks.
0: That's Matt Laughlin, the radio play-by-play voice of the New Jersey Devils here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I only asked that last question because if you look at this Devils team, uh, the the leaders, the catalysts, the play drivers are very talented but very diminutive. And that starts with Quinn's brother, Jack. Mm Mm-hmm who I think is, like, graciously listed at 5'11", 175. <laughs> Jesper Bratt, 5'10", 175. Thomas Tatar, 5'10". They are a small team. There's no question about it. In the areas of our elite players, uh, I call it small skill. I don't know. I mean, soft skill, small skill, whatever. Which generally means you're going to need to have some bigger guys to offset that or keep the flies off, so well, to speak.
1: the Canucks played a really impressive physical game. Against the Pittsburgh Penguins, perhaps encapsulated by Luke Shen pushing of Jenny Malkin out of the way in front of the Canucks net. And you know, Malkin tried to engage Luke Shen, and Luke Shen said, "Okay," mm-hmm. and then just shoved him. And then Jenny Malkin then complained to the officials, and it was hilarious. They probably didn't show this on the camera, but I was up in the press box, so I could see the whole ice. Mm-hmm. And the ref yelled back, at Malkin and Malkin was like, "Hey, you like put your shoulder down." and engaged him, and he won the battle, so stop complaining. Now, there is a, a bit of a give and take when you try and do that to a really fast team. Sometimes you can't catch them, right? Like, you want to hit them, yeah, but you can't. Um, it's going to be interesting from a Canucks perspective tonight because they're going to have two new faces, and I know we've already talked about this, but for those that are... Just joining us, uh, the Canucks are going to have Jack Stadnicka in the lineup tonight. Uh, He'll probably center a third line between Tanner Pearson and Nils Hoaglander. And perhaps more intriguing, just because we've talked about the Canucks need right side defensemen, the Canucks need right side defensemen, right shots that can move the puck. Well, they got a guy, Ethan Bear who uh, is probably going to come in for Kyle Burroughs, one of the physical defensemen for the Canucks against the Penguins, and he'll skate on a pairing with relatively new defenseman, Riley Stillman, who will probably come in for Jack Rathbone uh, on the left side. Mm-hmm. So three, you know, two brand-new Canucks, and if you want to add Stillman as a relatively new Canuck, feel free to do that. Uh, it was interesting... To hear Matt Laughlin talk about John Marino, and how important he's been to the Devils' start. John Marino, of course, was one of the names we heard bandied about as a potential target for Jim Rutherford and Patrick Galvin mm-hmm. uh, to target the right side, and I'm I'm sure they had conversations with the Penguins about John Marino. Yep. But ultimately it was the Devils that got John Marino, and apparently John Marino has been a pretty good fit. I mean he plays for the lo- New Jersey Devils. He plays
0: a lot. If you look at the breakdown of their defensive numbers, they don't have the sort of number one bell cow in terms of minutes. Yeah. Uh, Dougie Hamilton plays the most, but he's only barely over twenty-one and, and Marino's almost at twenty-one as well. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit more of a balanced blue line in terms of the minute distribution. You don't have an Oliver Ekman Larson playing 36 minutes a night because of injuries and other issues. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see the devil's blue line as we had a lot of tweaks in the off season, including the Marino thing, a guy that many Canucks fans say is the one that got away. I am going to be fascinated to see one, how much that bear and Stillman pairing, assuming it stays together for the night, gets deployed. Yeah. And then what it can bring to the table, because here's the thing about the Canucks blue line. Outside of the role that Quinn Hughes has, I think everything else is up for grabs. I don't think that they ever want to be in a position again where when Hughes goes out, (laughs) OEL goes to 28 minutes a night. And I think that the bear acquisition maybe offsets that a little bit. I think bringing 10 NHL-caliber defensemen into the fold. Remember, we talked about this at the beginning. Prior to the season, when we were looking at the Canucks blue line, I said, if it's healthy... And there's eight guys that could conceivably play minutes. Maybe it's one of those things where you just keep rotating guys in and you say, whoever's given us the best chance to win that night is going to play. Well, the room is even more crowded now. Mm-hmm. I think that, again, outside of Hughes getting, and he will justifiably get 26, 27, 28, although
1: they probably won't have to. Too shame mu- him. That's too much to play him. I mean, the reason, you know, so. Uh, I was reading his comments yesterday about returning. He says, listen, I I feel really good. Uh, I'm excited to come back, and it should be fun, especially against the Devils, and his parents are going to be in town. Jack Hughes obviously plays for for the Devils. Um, He said that the injury had been lingering since he missed a week late in training camp. Uh, and you said, I thought it was behind me, and then after every game, it just got worse, and then to a point where we realized we had to shut it down for a bit. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling really good now, and hopefully it's behind me. I don't think anyone looked at that comment and didn't think, hmm, if he had a lingering injury, then why was he playing so much? Probably because he had to? Yes, that's exactly why. So at the time of his injury...
0: He was second in the NHL in ice time among all players. It was Dowdy. With and a him.
1: lingering injury. Did right. he not also have the, was he sick with the flu too?
0: Yeah. Like he, they were playing the wheels off him and he was not at 100%. He was also That's going clearly. through some
1: stuff at home. There was yeah. all sorts of things. He wasn't sleeping well.
0: <laughs> so you're looking at it and you're saying, you don't ever want to get back to that spot. But at the same time, Hughes is Hughes and he's going to get his minutes. He's going to play. But I think everything else right now, in a very interesting way, roles are up for grabs
1: minutes are up for grabs hey here's a question for you and it might be an uncomfortable question what is jack rathbone standing with this organization right now um he's not ready yet is he gonna be ready i don't know
0: jack
2: he's just not ready
0: (laughs) (laughs) nice hair though i know i know i know i know what you're saying um i don't Again, what are they going to do with him
1: though because it doesn't serve him to be a healthy scratch?
0: He's got to go to Abbotsford.
1: Do you think so though?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: He needs to play more games, yeah. man. You know what Especially I Especially with the numbers crunch now. What I saw
0: from him in the games that he played, I'm like there's a guy that I think he's very intriguing. I think he's got a lot of potential in terms of individual skill and ability to move the puck. I love the fact that they tried to throw him out in some offensive positions uh when Hughes was gone. I think dynamically There's flashes that you say, okay, there's something there, but I don't think... Well, obviously there's something there. But nothing about watching him play led led me to think that he should be an every night NHL guy. I still can't
1: get over how few games he's played. Exactly. Go to his hockey DB card. It's honestly kind of funny that he's in the NHL. He's played 21 NHL games and just... Forty-seven regular season AHL games. He has not. Played he didn't a lot of- play much at Harvard. He played two seasons there, and they played like I don't know sixty games total. He, he, you know, I, I know everyone looks at him and says, "Well, oh, he's he's got great wheels," and you know he seems to move the puck pretty well. He's twenty-three years old, but he needs more reps. Like the thing that I notice about his game is, you do see that he has some good instincts, and he's got that escapability, that good skating ability. Uh, he's got a half decent shot. He just it's his decision making sometimes. Yeah. And it's just he needs reps. Like you've gotta go through the actual process of, you know, pressure's on me. I'm gonna wheel around my net, get my head up, and I'm gonna make a decision. Because too often right now, especially too often for Bruce Boudreaux, apparently, too often he's making those plays and it's the pucks going on the wrong team
0: stick. So, here's a couple things as we look long-term and big-picture stuff. One, I just came up with this at the break, that uh, the Blues are going to trade Ryan O'Reilly to the Avalanche at the deadline, and he's going to go and win a Stanley (laughs) Cup with his former club. Two, you mentioned this earlier about how Studnika and Bear, one of the things they had in common is that their developments, their careers, their arc, their trajectory, whatever, was seriously impacted by the COVID years. Yeah, Rathbone's another one of those guys. I do wonder if it feels weird to say leveraging a bad situation in this regard, but I do wonder if the Canucks are looking at guys and saying the reason that their development stalled was not because of them. It was because of the surroundings. This, and that would be three guys rathbone they've obviously just had there and this all happened in their backyard, but there might be a longer leash. There might be more patience. There might be a sense of let's give this guy another crack at it because it was so weird for a lot of these players that just bounced around from yeah. place to place trying to find games. Well,
1: you also have to take advantage of them while they're still waivers exempt. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that the Bruins, I, I suppose, traded Jack Stunica was that he was no longer waivers exempt. Am I correct on that? Like they,
0: there was a sense of if we expose this guy, we're going to lose him. I, like I don't think anyone in Boston was thrilled. With the return that they got, like Myrenberg again, they kind of laughed. They're like, he had a growth spurt last year in Sweden, which kind of gives you an idea of how far he is away from being in the NHL. He's still having growth spurts. But mm-hmm. um, they got something, which is better than nothing. And they knew that Studnicka's numbers were too good in the American League that someone wasn't going to take a chance, hence the trade to Vancouver.
1: Uh, Will in East Vancouver texts in with a question, are maybe Bear and Stillman the extra pair tonight, and maybe Rathbone and Burroughs are in? It doesn't sound like it. No, it. I. I think Bruce Boudreaux actually said yesterday that he's looking forward to seeing Ethan Bear play. They got Ethan Bear to play. Ethan. Bear. They don't. You know, they don't want a healthy scratch, Ethan Bear. They want to bring this guy in. Um. So I think it's just hard lines right now. You know, I. I was quite complimentary of the way that Burroughs played Friday against Pittsburgh, but there's a numbers crunch right now. You. You're not gonna. You're not gonna sit. Quinn Hughes, you're not going to sit Luke Shen because he was even more physical than Burroughs. OEL and Myers, as much as people might say, like, sit one of them, you know, it's not going to happen. So there's a numbers crunch right now. I agree with Halford. You know, send Jack Rathbone down. Get him playing. Get that confidence back up again. Uh, Even if it's in the AHL where he's proved himself, reps, just lots of reps. It won't be at the NHL level, unfortunately. But he's got to play. I don't like seeing a guy like Jack Rathbone just sit in the press box. He's only played, what, I think only four games this season. Yeah.
0: And on the subject of the Canucks defense, Thomas Drance is going to join us next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, He's got a piece out right now uh, in the latest of the Athletic Series, how do we learn stuff from other teams? So he's talking about what the Devils have done on their defense, how some of the lessons might be applied to the Canucks defense. Drancer is coming up next. At 8.30, we're going to do the giveaway for a pair of tickets to go see the Canucks and Ducks. Make a note of that. We're not giving away tickets for tonight's game. We're giving away tickets for Thursday's game against the Ducks. One pair to the best what we learned. 650-650 is the Dunbar-Lumber text line. Finally, I will mention, in the final half hour of this program, we, Halford and Bruff have a big announcement about all our plans for the 2022 World Cup In Qatar. Okay? It's exciting. You're going to need a sticker. That's two special announcements in back-to-back days here,
1: Jason. This one's probably bigger, though.
0: This is definitely bigger, right? I mean, all of you have been waiting on pins and needles. So we have a huge final hour to go. Don't go anywhere. Halford Bruff Sportsnet, 650.